Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon, live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios. This is 1460 KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Second hour of the program. Miller & Condon with you until noon. Murph and Andy slide on in here at 2. The Fanatics at 4, Cardinal Baseball tonight on your radio if you can't be in front of your TV. Game 4, the Cardinals and the Nationals. Nationals have an overwhelming 3 nothing lead. Let's get Brian Walton. joins us live from Arizona watching some fall ball down there. He joins us as we take a look at game number 4 and what has gone wrong. Although I don't think we need to spend too much time on that, Brian. It's the offense is the answer there. And the bats are fast asleep. Good to talk to Brian Walton, the CardinalNation.com. Boy, if you could only have saved some of those 13 runs in the clincher against Atlanta. <laughs> I know that's not possible, but you get my point. Boy, the bats have gone asleep very quickly, Brian. Good to talk to you. How are you? You know, it's it's really a situation that's gone on all season long. The Cardinals scored two or fewer runs in 49 games, so almost a third of their games during the regular season, you know, the offense didn't really show up, and it's continued in the playoffs. And yeah, that first inning outburst in, you know, last Wednesday in, in game five against the Braves was atypical. And, uh, you know, what I told folks after that is, you know, watch the Cardinals won't score a run the next 18 or 20 innings. And that was almost the case had that ball got not gotten over Taylor's head. And then in game three, the only run they got was when Soto fell down and, you know, made a bad throw in the outfield. So, I mean, if you look at it, the Cardinals offense arguably hasn't earned any runs in the first three games. It's been frustrating, Brian. And as you look at this team and the construction and, it just felt like they had such a good chance going into it. It was that cold game one, and maybe you chalk it up to it. As you look forward, I know you're not overly optimistic. Pretty much every Cardinal fan I've talked to, look, you got to win four straight. It's happened before, but it's incredibly rare to come back from this deficit. What's this offseason going to look like? If it does end here today and it ends in disappointing fashion, what's this offseason in front of us going to be? Before I answer that directly, Trent, I want to come back to the numbers for just a minute. According to the folks at 538.com that do a great job with political polls, but they also do sports polls, their view is the Cardinals' chances of reaching the World Series are 4%. Mm. And uh, so, you know, I, I, and, you know, my gut tells me that might even be optimistic. So, yeah, it could happen. But this feels a lot like the 2004 World Series where the Cardinals might have had the best team since the, their, you know, great teams in the 1980s and just ran into the Boston Red Sox and never led in the series, just like the Cardinals – have never led in this series so far. And, you know, there's no momentum, obviously, going into game four. Uh, but to answer your question in the offseason, you know, there, there's some questions of the pitching staff. Michael Walker's a free agent. Uh, he's going to leave. Adam Wainwright, you got to think that he's not going to want to go out like this. He and Molina, you know, probably want one more last stand together to give it another shot. But the question is whether the Cardinals can go out and get any more offense to, to help. Uh, Ozuna's a free agent, and, you know, every time he does something good, you know, he was – uh, arguably their best hitter in the in the division series, five RBI, you know, really, uh, you know, like three or four doubles uh, and a couple home runs. But then, he, you know, he makes a bonehead play in the outfield that basically turned the tide in, in game yeah. three. And you say, you know, this guy, if he was a gold glove, you know, I, I don't know what's happened to him, but he's not the kind of guy that I want to spend $100 million on. So they've got to try to find a way not only to replace Ozuna, but get some power as well. 
and they're they're really hampered by some bad contracts. They you know they gave Matt Carpenter an extension this spring, and that big rush of extensions that everybody was doing across Major League Baseball, and that looks ill advised. And then of course they got the deal with Dexter Fowler. Fowler improved some during the regular season, but in the playoffs, you know he's been in you know an instant out, an easy out, and you know he's sitting there at the top of the lineup. And you know they're going to have to make some tough decisions to eat some money if they want to try to make the offense better. Uh, Brian Walden, CardinalNation.com is our guest. Brian, you mentioned Ozuna, the play in the field. They gave Rendon a double, which was complete home cooking. Or I don't know, maybe maybe Major League Baseball sends in their own uh, scorekeeper for the playoffs. It's not a you know one of the local guys, but regardless, it was an awful uh, decision. That was an error, in my opinion. What was what was a more egregious play for him? That uh, Ozuna or getting picked off by Strasburg after they you know the Cardinals who'd been their bats been so anemic until. Uh, 21 batters in in Game 2, and the 27th batter in Game 1 finally got a hit. They did so earlier last night, and then Azuna gets picked off second base. I mean, the ball's uh, bounced back to uh, Strasburg. He turns around, and there's Ozuna wandering. Which was worse? Well, I, obviously, the I think the second one was worse, although certainly being picked off second base in the top of the second inning when the Cardinals had a chance to get up on Strasburg and, you know, and, and grab the, the edge. That was a terrible, terrible rookie mistake. I mean, that's not even a rookie mistake. That's an A-ball mistake. But let's face it, when he dropped that ball that hit his glove in the bottom of the third, that would have been the third out of the inning. Mm-hmm. What happened after that was, of course, he had to get a fourth out and uh, uh, Flaherty I'm talking about, and, you know, had to make another 18 or 20 pitches. And by the time the inning was over, the Cardinals were down four zip and, you know, you pretty much knew the game was over. So as bad as the base running error was, I think the defensive one hurt the team far more. You know, you mentioned, sorry, Trent, uh, uh, you mentioned Dexter Fowler. Just to go back for, for him for a second. It's like whenever he comes to the plate, it's, it's, um, it's, it's almost an automatic out in this series, Brian. How much, how longer are they, are they tied to him? His regular season was better, but man, when you need him the most in the playoffs, he just but hasn't been there. He doesn't have a hit in the first three games of this series. And I think his playoff body of work so far, he's batting 0-6-1 for crying out loud. How long are they tied to him for? Two, uh, two more years, and, you know, the contract's so big, you know, they would have to eat some money to move him. He has a, no trade protection, but I'm sure that, you know, that could be worked out with, with money. Uh, you know, they've tried to stick with him. You know, Schultz stuck with him to a fault, keeping at the top of the lineup when he really has no business being there. But, of course, it's not like anybody else on the team is hitting well enough to put up there either. But the, I, mean, I think in the first three outs, at least, Fowler was retired on something like eight pitches. So, you know, he's not showing any patience. And that's the difference between the Fowler that we saw during the regular season that was playing better. You know, he wasn't getting himself out. He was letting them, uh, you know, walk him if necessary. But he's so over-anxious, he's probably trying too hard, like probably everybody is in that lineup. And, you know, it's just he's turned into an automatic out. Brian, I want to get your perspective. Jack, we saw Flaherty last night. Ozuna didn't certainly help him out. But he's approaching, what, 215 innings, I think, overall this season, counting the postseason. A young guy turns 25 years old today. Is this something maybe going into the spring that they're going to have to monitor? We've seen this happen with young pitchers so much guys that an injury starts to happen, something starts to creep up. Are they going to keep a close eye on those innings, especially early next year with him pitching late into the season? I haven't talked to anybody about that, but, uh, you know, Flaherty hasn't, at least the date hasn't shown any physical issues, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll have a strength strength and conditioning program for him. A lot of times in spring training they will, uh, you know, dial back on the workload to make sure that while the guys are ready they don't overdo it. I don't think there's going to be anything special for Flaherty, but certainly he's a guy that's established himself as the ace of this team, no doubt about it. 
he is the number one guy. You know, we've seen him pitch, you know, in all these big games in the playoffs, and unfortunately, he came up a little short. But as you noted, you know, he didn't get help from Ozuna. He didn't get help from uh, from Molina on a on a pass ball that was uh, crucial a little later. Yeah, he certainly did. And I'm glad Darling, uh, you know, didn't want to call Molina for that pass ball. He almost apologized for doing so, uh, but it needed to be done. Hey, can Schilt do anything tonight to, you know, to shake this lineup up? I mean, he can, but Willie Martinez goes in last night. He actually responded with a couple of hits. Um, he'd been in a, you know, pinch hitting role for the most part. That had been, uh, uh, that had been where we've seen him. Is there anything Schilt can do to try and give this team a boost? Yes, and you know this is an issue. This is probably the biggest concern that fans have with Mike Schild, and that is that he sticks with his veterans to a fault. Earlier in the season, it was Carpenter he kept at the top of the lineup when he wasn't getting on base, wasn't hitting for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and now it's Fowler. Uh, with the left-hander Corbin in, you know, there's a thought to say, hey, you know, stack your lineup with as many right-handed hitters as, as possible. So, you know, you might see a Bader, for example. Wong would probably be the only exception to that. But, you know, I don't believe Mike Schultz is going to do it. I think Mike Schultz is going to stick with the guys that got him there, and he's going to going to go down and you know go down on the ship with them. Uh, not necessarily what I want to do, not what a lot of fans want to see. But Schultz, time and time again, has had the opportunities to shake things up, and he's stuck with his top guys. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Brian, thanks for coming on. Uh, wish we would have been in better circumstances, not in a 3 0 hole uh, like the Cardinals find themselves in. Brian, thank you. Take care. Good to talk to you. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. First pitch tonight is what, Trent? 6 37, or did they back it up? Uh, it's backed up, I believe. Yeah, 7 05. 7 05. So and... Astros, Yankees, which I'm still baffled by, 3 08. You I thought think, that the Yankees, because they're the Yankees, would yes, be in prime time. Every single time that yeah. it's available. But mm-hmm. here we are, 308 first pitch for that one. Cardinals, Nats, 705 first pitch. And I'll be like the many out there. If I'll be in my car tonight a few times, calling volleyball this evening. Oh, for Mediacom. Yes. Where are you tonight for that? It's a great question. <laughs> so you've got a game tonight. It, it was You're the just... last one added to the schedule, so okay. I didn't have it on my initial schedule that I was looking at. It was just the additional game. But so I will be somewhere so, today. So that game prep is really, uh, I mean, you're that's going to be That's what I will be beyond. doing after the show ah, today. gotcha. It's a long time before yeah, that's true, 7 o'clock first serve. And to be honest, how much prep is there that goes into a volume? Quite a bit. Is there really? Well, I like to know, got to get memorization of all the numbers. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you're able to call that out. Mm-hmm. After that, not a ton. <laughs> got to do my, got to write my opening script as I do my stand-up. Oh. Yes, I'm learning all these TV terms. Wow, look at you go. Face made for radio, trying to make a go of it. Well, we'll be on TV toward the end of the week on yes, Inside the will. Numbers. We tape that tomorrow and that airs. You're on hot Sports over Radio. there. Well, I, I've I'll, been doing well on radio TV, though. I own the TV. Trend. You're making That's money. my medium. Absolutely is. Uh, Mr. Back. TV over there. Zuba Mahente will join the program. Do you have an opinion on these two games today, by the way? Well, of course you do. I do. Uh, Garrett Cole Severino. How good is that, by the way? Over under first five is three. Might be taking a taste on that over. I've been playing a lot of those first fives. It's been profitable. One of the few things that have been profitable this year. And then the Cardinals. What what's what's what do you what can you get if you take the Cardinals tonight? Plus what? One forty? I thought it would be a little bit higher than that, actually. Not a big believer in Dakota Hudson? Uh he's okay. He's okay. And yeah. Corbin He's okay. He's been hitting came in, Corbin. What was that? He came in and got an out. Was that Saturday? Oh, I don't remember. I think it was. Came in, one guy, got an out. I love how managers are doing that, though. Just go in. You're going to be throwing today anyway. You'd be doing a bullpen session. Just do it out on the field. 
uh, makes sense, right? Right. Uh, Zuba Mahente. We will uh, have Zuba Mahente coming up. But before we do that, <laughs> time to put another thousand dollars in your bull bankroll. Just text the keyword "freeze." To 200-200, that's freeze to 200-200 right now. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Zubin Mahete next. Miller and Condon till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station 1460. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO with you until noon. Zuba Mehente, ESPN Sports Center. He's a Rutgers grad. <laughs> you get to start there with poor Zubin? <laughs> well, poor Zubin. Zubin was the one that alerted me to this. He actually sent me a text just how inept the quarterback play was uh, this, uh, this last game for Rutgers. The 5 of 13 for one yard. Zubin... Tough to be a Rutgers fan this fall, is it not? It totally is. They're trending towards becoming the worst team in Big Ten history, which is probably amazing that they haven't seized the mantle already. But there were some really bad Northwestern teams in the early section of their tenure in the Big Ten. So we'll see how Rutgers finishes up. But I was talking about it with somebody the other day. And I think the biggest issue that Rutgers is going to have vis-a-vis, let's say, Iowa versus Iowa State, when Jamie Pollard puts a list together, let's say if Matt Campbell leaves or when Matt Campbell was hired, he knows somebody on that list will enthusiastically take the job. In this case, it was Matt Campbell. He spoke glowingly of his visits to Ames before in coaching against the Cyclones. If it's Iowa or if it's Brian Ferentz or if it's somebody else and Kirk decides to hang it up, somebody will enthusiastically mm. take that job because all the benefits are there. The Rutgers job is the, is the antithesis. If they have seven guys in the drawer on the short list, Iowa and Iowa State, no, somebody will grab it. With the Rutgers job, you have to wonder, of these seven or eight guys, who would take it? And I don't think there is any coach, because they're not going to hire a rep behind the ears coach again. They're going to hire a guy who's been a coach that wants to be on the climb to get a better job, more money, or a coach that's trying to resuscitate his career. And all of those people have got to say to themselves, do I actually want this job? And I don't think there's any other job in the Power Five in which if you put a list together, the AD would say to himself, I might strike out with all seven guys. It's one of the most unique situations going. Why is this job so difficult? New Jersey, certainly plenty of talent yeah, there. It's in the Big Ten. Before Shiano got there, they were laughing stock in the Big East, uh, the old days, you know, when they, all the independents out East. This has been a bad football program for a very long time. Why is that? I think the biggest thing is simply this. Um, there is no real momentum for the program, as you mentioned. I grew up in New Jersey. I lived there the first 22 years of my life. I graduated from Rutgers University. And if you live in the northern part of New Jersey, it's, it's all New York. We're all ready for the Yankees today. And if you're in South uh, Jersey, it's all about the Eagles and the Cowboys Sunday night. Mm. I mentioned this story, and Ken might laugh at this. The New Jersey Devils won three Stanley Cups in the 1990s. Each time their, par- uh, their parade, I believe the first parade, was in the parking lot of the Meadowlands. So there's no Canyon of Heroes. There's no Turnpike or, you know, Parkway or let's shut this street down. Let's just roll around the Brendan Byrne Arena. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, the, the Devils have fans. I'm not saying they don't have fans. I'm just saying that's an extrapolation of New Jersey. There's not a ton of state pride in the university. Uh, apathy has been an issue for a long time. 
But I would tell you one thing when you mentioned the New Jersey recruits, Trent. I honestly believe this, and this might sound too simplistic. I think most coaches think exactly what you think. Dwayne Jarrett's from New Jersey. Ron Dane's from New Jersey. Chris Sims is from New Jersey. Joe Theismann's from New Jersey. Greg Olson's from New Jersey. I can get a couple of these guys. I can definitely do this. The only guy in the modern era that you said that has had success is Greg Schiano. And he is basically the only guy. And now Kyle Flood got it off of his staff. But Shiano's the only guy they've had from Terry Shea to Doug Graber to all the coaches that they've had. He's the only one from New Jersey. And I don't think that's a coincidence. He understands how difficult it's going to be. And at this point, um, the Big Ten, you might say it's a big mistake to have them in there. But Urban Meyer, when he was there, Ryan Day, especially Jim Harbaugh, they love. Wisconsin's had a lot of New Jersey players over the years. Iowa, of course. Albert Young, you might remember, Trent, of course, was from New Jersey. Mm -hmm. They love going into New Jersey to get guys. So while it might be bad for the league, it's a great opportunity to poach for the other 13 teams in the conference. So, but let's stay in college football, but let's move out of the state of New Jersey uh, and talk about teams that are, that at least at this point, seemingly are going to be a major threat to play in the playoff. Is, if, would you be okay? Do you think the committee would be okay with putting Alabama Clemson in round one, in the semifinal, thus opening opening it up for some new blood to come out of the other side. So instead of you know Clemson LSU or Clemson Ohio State, uh, we'd get Clemson Alabama in the semifinal. Do you think that that's likely, or will um, or will human nature in, in, intercede? I would say it is likely because you'll recall when Alabama beat Georgia in the national championship a couple years ago in Double O T. Uh, they played Clemson in the semifinal. So certainly the committee has given credence to doing that before. And again, I don't know how vintage that team was. That was a Kelly Bryant-led Clemson team, and obviously his career lasted four more games. So maybe that wasn't like the most stout Clemson team that Alabama faced, but of course they still got to the playoffs, so they had to be pretty good. So my guess is because the committee's put the precedent in there, I think it's noteworthy. I think it's really interesting. I don't know if we talked about this on the last week we were here. I mentioned this with Feinbaum last week and it's just it's funny i mean like if you could put your five dollars down and say i can guarantee you one of these matchups which from a radio perspective a fan perspective would you want would you want Tua versus hurts would you want justin fields versus georgia or maybe that's a little bit diminished now but you never know or would you want joe burrow versus Ohio mm. State. Paul and I kind of fell on the two of versus hurts. It just seems too juicy right. to pass that one up. But all three of those, even though the Georgia one is diminished, would be fantastic in any round, I you know what I want? I want Ohio State, Oklahoma. I don't care if this is the <laughs> semifinal or the final. I want a Big Ten, Big 12 tilt, Subin. I think it would be like the Nick Bosa, Baker Mayfield mm, yeah. all over again. So it would be fantastic. I think that would be great, too, because I think you look at it and you say to yourself, with Lincoln Riley, um, you know, it, it sounds crazy, but, you know, people speculate about things all the time. Can you imagine if he goes three straight Heisman winners, a national Jeez. title, and I'm going to take the Cowboys down? But can you imagine mm -hmm. that? This guy was in East Carolina five years ago. He was in East Carolina. And in a span of a half decade, or maybe I'm a little off on East Carolina, maybe it was like a couple years before that because he was an assistant under Stoops. But nevertheless, handful of years ago, let's just call it that, handful of years ago, He's the offensive coordinator, not even the head coach. He's the offensive coordinator for the East Carolina Pirates. And all this time later, 
he could end up being the most sought-after coach in America, and you have got to give it up to Bob Stoops. A lot of people gave credit to Urban Meyer when they said Ryan Day's a little, he's a little bit of a genius here. I might be okay to step away and get out from all of us under this, but you've got to give credit to Bob Stoops for recognizing Lincoln Riley for essentially being the same type of guy. Got there in 2010, left in 2014. If that answers Think your question. That, right? Yeah, crazy. How about that? Five years. There you go. Yeah. Zubin, uh, you guys at ESPN got a good one last night in Monday Night Football. Came down to the wire. Some controversy, and that, I'm sure, helps drive things afterwards for, for Van Pelt and SportsCenter and everything. Overall, the schedule looks much better than in the past in terms of some of the games that you have coming up. Even this week, yeah, the Patriots go on the road to the Jets, who showed a pulse in a big way against the Cowboys on Sunday. Monday Night Football, it's a huge property still, even though maybe it doesn't have the same kind of pull that it is at it started throughout its heyday from the 80s and into the 90s too. But as you look at Monday Night Football, the importance for you at ESPN and what you guys do on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, I think you look at the property and you say to yourself, any network that has the NFL, it has to be its number one property. Now, I know Turner and CBS are spending a ton for the basketball tournament, But if you're CBS, it's all about having the NFL package. The NBC package has been the number one rated show in America, I believe, for the last seven or eight years. And that's counting everything. And obviously, it's tough to bring a lot of people together for anything other than sports these days. Fox is now in its 25th year of televising the NFL. The second they got the NFL, the NFL, Fox NFL Sunday became the number one pregame show. And it pretty much has been for 25 years. And For those of you in your audience old enough to remember, we certainly do, us three, there was incredible trepidation when the NFL said we're going to put games on Fox, which was at that point a NASA network and nobody had any idea what it would lead to. And 25 years later, it's their most important thing. And for us, it's the same way. I mean, we have hours and hours of pregame discussing it. Scott comes on after the game and we get whatever players we need. The association is really good. But I think at the end of the day, it really bears fruit when you look at it from the standpoint of it's a standalone game. And I think Sunday night is a standalone game, but half the league is traveling home from wherever they were on the road, even though, to your point, friend, Sunday night, now Monday night, like what you said it used to be, and obviously the ratings are there, but half the league is unable to watch the game because they're in flight. Most of the league, I guess 100% of the league, right, is able to still watch Monday night football. So I think there's something special about that, that the, we always think about the fans and the media and the ratings, but the people that make up this sport have an opportunity to sit there and watch. And that's pretty darn rare on obviously a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday night. And teams are in big time prep on Wednesday night. So they're not really able to maybe watch the Thursday night game. So Monday does hold a special spot, at least in that regard, with the players in the league. Who's the MVP so far, Zubin? I mean, there's so many good stories, right? Russell Wilson's off to a great start. Uh, you can certainly make a case for him. Mahomes until this last couple of weeks. Deshaun Watson. Jackson's playing out of his mind. I guess Christian McCaffrey would be the non-quarterback that would be in the conversation. Who's the MVP so far of this league? Would it be Wilson? I would go Christian McCaffrey. I think okay. he is on pace to have the most yards ever in a single season in the NFL. When you add up all-purpose yardage, he is on pace for the all-time record for one year. Now, he's one of the guys, I don't know if you guys agree, that was one of the guys, you never know how guys are going to translate, right? I, don't, I have no idea if Josh Allen is great because he played at Wyoming. I don't know how he'll translate. It's on the fence about Baker now, even. 
But when you saw Christian McCaffrey in college, right? This is like this is absolutely positively going to work. They're trying to limit his touches. I think Kyle Allen is getting a ton of shine. He's four and zero, hasn't thrown a pick, and I think part of the reason he's been so effective is because he has somebody like Christian McCaffrey. And over the first couple of years in the league, McCaffrey really didn't pop the way I thought he would. I just really thought he'd be great out of the gate. It's taken a couple of years, but I would give him the edge at this moment to the point where the way it's affecting Allen, and uh, I think Adam Schefter tweeted yesterday that, you know, Cam might be ready here coming out of their bye. Mm-hmm. But on Sunday, as you know, in London, after the game with the Bucks, when Rivera was asked that question not knowing Cam's timetable, and he said, when Cam Newton, the MVP of the league and a near Super Bowl winner, first overall draft pick, is ready to return the greatest player in Panthers history, will he be able to beat out Kyle Allen, who started a few games at the end of last season with virtually no profile? And Ron Rivera said, I can't answer that question for you right now. And I bet in Jacksonville they're actually thinking about the same. One undefeated team left in the NFL. It is the Patriots at six and zero. No, 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 no. Oh yeah, Niners. those Forty Niners. Niners. I want to go with the Patriots though. Though they're winning games, it hasn't been exactly a who's who. Hannah Buffalo, their only loss. Still, Tom Brady. Watching him, something it does feel a little bit different. They're not running the football. They got injuries up front. But the defense is elite. I'm just, I'm really struggling with this team. And if we are finally seeing the beginning of the end with Tom Brady. I don't think so. The other <laughs> thing, too, Trent, is you can't play down the, the aspect of the Garoppolo-Brady Super Bowl. We are oh, angling wow. towards mm, the Garoppolo Super Bowl. No, I, I think with Tom, I look, at, I look at it this way. If you look at his numbers, where you actually tend to see the dip, and I, I'm not concerned about it uh, at all. We'll see what obviously happens here next Monday night. But if you look at his numbers over the last few years, where they have dipped has actually been in December. Now, you're starting to see a little bit of a dip here in October. The first month of the season is a total write-off because I think it's very obvious. We've seen a couple of past teams start slowly. Not start slowly in the division, but start slowly overall, and then they ramp up. Where you've seen the decrease in numbers is in December. Now, you're seeing a slight decrease in October, but I think the one thing some people would tell you that doesn't get a lot of headlines because, to your point, it's off Brady. There are people that are saying that this might be the one of the best defenses. And obviously, you know, Bill has been with the Giants and Parcells and all that with LT, and he holds LT in a different class. But there are a lot of pundits out there that are saying the numbers indicate, and I think they do, that this could be one of the best defenses this defensive-minded head coach has ever been involved with. And it's interesting because most people will look at Brady's numbers and say, yeah, they're a little bit down. But, you know, I don't want to be too cliche here. If you're playing complimentary football and getting contributions on OD and special teams, I think you got to look across the way and say this could be one of the best pass defenses of the last 20 years, or at least let's call it the Belichick era. Mm-hmm. So you don't see this kind of like 2015 with Manning starting to lose it a little bit and carry to that Super Bowl by his defense? As I think back to that season, Manning was good early, and then it really, I mean, it was a complete precipitous drop-off. You don't see uh, to that extreme what we're seeing in Brady so far then? I wouldn't only for two points. One, I can't ever imagine Brady being benched for poor performance, right. which Manning was. Right. Yeah, he was. Brock Osweiler. Yeah. And I would also say the numbers for Manning that year, I know you're a huge Bronco fan, Ken, but I still keep my eyes on it after working there for many years. That season, Manning had nine touchdowns and 17 interceptions. That's what he finished with. Oof. And I can't ever imagine. I can't, numbers are numbers. There's obviously context, right? 
but we're throwing more than we did. But then again, Manning was throwing more than anybody back then. I just can't see Brady being benched in any scenario or him ever having a TD to interception ratio uh, that poor. Um, but you, you never, you never know. I mean, obviously, right when it goes, it goes. I grew up in New Jersey. We go to Yankee games all the time. And when Don Madden, we back went like he was done. Like he was like one day he was the Yankees' first baseman, then his back went and he was gone. And it happens real quick, obviously, in a physical sport like that. But my inclination would be, I don't think it'll be that precipitous. Uh, Zuba, we don't get you. We don't have you next week because you take uh, some uh, some time off. But when we reconvene, the NBA will be. They'll have started their season. I got one NBA question. It's not the one that everybody's talking about. Um, but go on record, Zuba. Who's going to represent? I mean, it used to be easy, right? Well, it's Cleveland. It's Golden State. Let's just uh, fast forward to June. That's not going to be the case this year uh, for either of those two franchises. Who's going to represent the East? Who's going to come out of the West? Wow, I'll be in Colorado next week. I'll be at the Nuggets home opener against the Blazers, so I'll get my NBA fix before I see you guys. But I'm going to go on. I'm going to go on record and say in the East, I'm going to go with the Sixers. Uh, for your listeners that are not huge NBA fans, the Sixers are possibly trotting out the biggest starting lineup in NBA history this season, and it's notable because obviously it's become a small ball, small man game mm-hmm. with the shooting and positionless hoops. But they're trotting out the biggest lineup of all time. I love Simmons and Embiid. Embiid has actually shed 20 pounds. For those of you that remember him in Kansas, just being a freak athletically, and then obviously caught up to him with an 82-game season. He shed about 20. He looks fantastic. And then I'm going to go with the Lakers. Anthony Davis, his uh, son came back clean. He had a little bit of an injury when they were in China. Uh, But I think LeBron is super motivated. He did say a few months ago, a few weeks ago, it is a very quiet statement. He said, I've had a very, very quiet offseason. I haven't done or said much, other than that one time he ran on the court when his kid hit a shot. <laughs> but I haven't done much or said much this offseason. And I think that's a euphemism for I hear everything people have said about me. I'm lazy on defense. Mm-hmm. I'm not the best player in the game anymore. They gave it to a kid from Greece that has been in the league just a handful of years. I am simmering and stewing. And a simmering and stewing LeBron is a LeBron I would bet on. Mm-hmm. What kind of year is uh, Zion going to have his rookie campaign? I think he's going to go and have an interesting year, but I would say this. If Zion averages 18 and 10, 17 and 7, I actually think that's a spectacular year, but because of the expectations on him, if he goes 17, 8 and 4, I'm not kidding. If he goes 17, 8 and 4 with two blocks, there's going to be a lot of people that are like, man, I thought he'd be a 2010 guy. And it's completely and totally unfair. He is out to an amazing start, though, in the preseason for whatever that means. Zubin, enjoy your vacation. We'll talk to you two weeks from today. Thank you for what you do for Trent and I. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente standing beside a highway hitchhiking I-95. Hope he's careful. That's how he's getting to his vacation. (laughs) Didn't it sound like he was standing on a road? (laughs) Be careful. Lakers, your betting favorite. Are they really? Do they deserve to be? Three to one. Second choice, Clippers, 7-2. to two. Oh, boy. What about Houston? Houston is down at plus 750, 15-2, along with the Sixers. The Bucks ahead of them at 6-1. to one. How, how, how much? What can you get on the, on the Warriors? 8-1. to one. And that was the first thing that jumped out to me. Yeah. Just get in. Clay Thompson yeah. will be back come playoff time. So just, that's, that's where you're just getting. So you think it's worth a punt? As they stay in the UK. Well, you know, I told you before the season to grab the Nationals 9-1 to to win the NL, and you're a game away from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have historically been good at these future wagers. Yeah, you have. Patrick that's Reed true. to no, win the Masters true. You don't need to win to a one. bunch of them. You just win mm-hmm. the right ones, right? Um, 
Well, I mean, I get I'm why. I'm taking a shot. I get your theory behind it. I don't think you're going to cash this ticket, but I get your theory behind what who who comes out of the East. I don't know. I think it's got to be the Bucks, doesn't it? Are they ready to take that yeah, next I think step? They, I think. They, look, I like the Sixers. I mm-hmm. like the Sixers. Yeah. I didn't realize the size of the lineup that they have. I don't follow it that close. Um, I have, I've had a few people ask how much NBA we talk about. We sprinkle it in from time to time. Uh, it's not a heavy topic throughout, of course, no. basketball season. Well, certainly not during football season. Right. I mean, yeah. this is as much NBA as we've done in, in this month in a long time. Before Christmas, we'll probably give it an obligatory yeah. two, three minutes. Before the Christmas games. Well, there is an NBA no, uh, of note story. See Nick Nurse is coming back to town? The, I did the, see that, so yeah. The Iowa, it's Iowa Energy Night at the Iowa Wolves. So my guess is the Raptors got to be playing in the Twin Cities the Just next something night. Something like that, yeah. They would have to be close, mm-hmm. right? Chicago, maybe. I wonder what kind of year Nick Nurse is going to have with the Raptors. I mean, nobody cares. So why do I care? <laughs> um, a few people I, care. A few people He's care. He's in Iowa. I know. I get it. I get it. It was a great story last year, phenomenal story last year. Not the biggest story in sports from 2019. That was written in the second weekend of April. Uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, uh, finish up the program. Miller and Condon till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Miller and Condon, 12 to 12, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Did you pay attention to the bull projections? No, I am not a weirdo like you. I you love them. Why? I don't know. The, 90% of the guys that do them don't even know the way that it's actually set up. Yeah, that's true. They just go through the standings and, oh, this is the way the picks would go. They don't look at last year. Well, I, well they can't go there two years in a row. Oh, I no. didn't realize they were there. Well, well, you're the bull projection guy. How can well, you not? But they don't. Right. Uh, but it's my point being is it's hard to find bowl projections that don't have Iowa and San Diego at the Holiday Bowl mm-hmm. and Iowa State and Orlando at the Camping World Bowl. Two pretty good destinations, right? Absolutely. Fan bases, I would think, would sign for either of those. Area around Orlando, rough. Um, around the stadium. Is it? I've never been to the stadium. Yes. Orlando itself in the yeah. touristy areas. Great, fine. great part to yeah. go. Yeah, bring the family. That's a good vacation. Mm-hmm. Around the stadium. Hug those kids close. <laughs> really? Uh, it's rough. San Diego, on the other hand, is beautiful. It's just I've beautiful. never been to oh, San Diego before. I love it. Encinitas. Um, yeah, it's great. San Diego, Del Mar area. Um, yep. We shall see. Let's say both these teams and end up in those destinations. One's the 27th and one's the 28th. They both end up in those destinations. Uh-huh. Eight and four for both teams. Okay. What do we consider 2019 in the state? Great question. It is. It was. It wouldn't be historical in no. Iowa State's case. Iowa had such a great start to the season. Eight and four, kind of meh. Typical. Lose to Wisconsin and somebody else. That. I mean, you lose to Minnesota. Be the first win in Kinnick in two decades for the Gophers. Yeah, Gophers are going to be a tough out. You lose to either this Purdue or Northwestern team the next two weeks. These are two mm-hmm. teams not playing well. Even no. Purdue, what they did last week and against Nebraska Maryland. Nebraska stinks. Nebraska, I mean, you're talking about... 
Disappointing. I a think disappointing is, loss. Yeah. yeah, I think it would be a disappointing year overall. I mean, two eight and four teams. That's pretty stellar. But yet, <laughs> it didn't live up to expectations. How many over under season totals do we have? Oh, ten and a half, eleven and a half. We'd have sixteen, and it'd be kind of ho hum. It would be. Think about that. Maybe we're spoiled a little bit. I don't know if that's the... Eh, we'll, we'll see. A lot of football, thankfully, left to be played uh, as they uh, reach the halfway point of the season. Um, do you have an opinion on... I, mean, I know you do. Will you take? Will you play the early game? You think you're going to go and... I think the, I'm going to take the over in the first five. Uh-huh. That's where I'm leaning right now. I kind of do like that, even as good as Garrett Cole has been. Mm-hmm. He hasn't lost since May. It's crazy. And he's a free agent. 18-0 in his decisions during that time. 18 straight he's wins. He's so good, Trent. He is so good. It doesn't seem well. Maybe He's 29. Not. I was going to say it seems like the Astros are just going to. The Yankees are going to be a tough out. Yes, it's going to be a hell of a series. This is the main event. Mm-hmm. There's no, if you're a baseball fan, yes, this is what it's about. No mm-hmm. local interest, obviously, for us here. Even though you just saw Ross Peterson walking outside there, we we do have Yankees fans, sure. and they're everywhere. But this is high level baseball that pins and needles. Even in the eleventh inning two nights ago. And the Yankees get a couple on with one out. It's just that level of baseball. It's so different. I love baseball, the day-to-day minutia of yeah, it throughout too. the course of the season. But October is something else, isn't it? It really is. It's just at the wrong time. Football covers up so much yeah. of it. Saturday, well, didn't see a pitch. I didn't either, Trent. I don't think I did. I, I I don't think that I saw a pitch. You mentioned a game on Saturday, and normally one of us I was us talking about Corbin it. coming in. There yeah. you go. I didn't see that play. <laughs> Who would have? Uh, tomorrow coming up on the program, looking forward to this. Chris Level is the Eric Heft of uh, Texas Tech. Uh, he will join us. Tom Deanhart. Um, Trent, he was... Tom Deanhart was Sporting News forever. Yes. Then he left Sporting News to go to BTN, and he wrote for BTN.com. Now he's strictly covering Purdue. His alma mater, I believe. I think it is, too. So we'll do, in the first hour of the program tomorrow, we're going to do Iowa State, Texas Tech with the Texas Tech angle, and Purdue, Iowa with the Purdue angle. Cappy's going to join us tomorrow. I can't wait for that. Handicap the managerial race on the north side of Chicago, right? Do you... I mean, from what you read, from what you hear, do you do you have, do you get a sense that somebody is more likely to get this gig than somebody else? There's a lot of buzz for Gabe Kapler, which is absolutely baffling the way that his time in Philadelphia is gone. It's the Theo theory, though, and you know what it is. And I read about it last night, and it makes sense. I'm not saying he's going to get the job, mm-hmm. or should he? Theo hired Francona after it did not end well for him in his first stint, and of all places. Philadelphia. Okay. Franco, uh, Francona goes to Boston. Mm-hmm. We know what happens there. Kapler's first go-around goes to Philadelphia. Doesn't end well. Theo's in Chicago. He's going to get that opportunity. Remember uh, Kapler's like, first three games in Philly? Yeah, Trent, they wanted to run him out of town. Yes. And he was, the way his usage of the bullpen, uh-huh. and people said, what is this guy doing? Right. He was so overmatched, seemingly. I still think Cappy tomorrow... Will tell us Girardi is favored, but I don't think he thinks it's going to be as clear cut as he might have. David Ross, there's a lot of buzz for yes. him, yes, and and that's where I continue to hear the most buzz. Everything that, not everything, but a majority of the things that I see, and I think the fan base are they more excited? Would they be more excited about David Ross as opposed to Girardi? Well, just because what David Ross helped him do, it's Joe Girardi. Yeah, I know. I think you got to go. Girardi's good in the booth too. Yes. Um, 
I would go Girardi just because Ross has no experience. I would too. I'd go you that talk direction. about the team that's window is still open. Experience is overrated, though. We've seen that in yeah, baseball, fair. certainly over the last three or four years. That's fair. And the way the young managers have come in and managed at a very mm-hmm. high level. Mm-hmm. And what is a manager anymore? Mm-hmm. I mean, how much the how front many, office... How many, yeah, how many games do they make a difference on in any given season? It's not as many as you'd think. Say it was seven or eight no, or the longest time. Yeah, that's probably And now it's three now. or four. And, I think so. Or maybe, maybe it's... Maybe two or three. Maybe it was four or five before, and it's one or two now. It's not a huge difference. It really isn't. So we'll get Cappy in here. We'll get the latest with the Bears and get him to handicap the managerial race on the north side. Saints-Bears this week in Chicago. Pretty good game. Got an early feel there? Um, What's Trubisky's situation? Trending back. Is it? No, they need him. Trent Daniel was good in in relief that one day, but he he looked abysmal across the pond. Well, the whole team did, right? They did. Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics today at 4. Cardinal Baseball on your radio tonight if you can't be in front of your TV as the Cards try to stay alive. Tomorrow morning, the Morning Rush will get things underway at 6. We stop by at 10. Thanks for being here. We are Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 